everyone, welcome back to TV Guys, now with 50% more Brian. I'm Matt. I'm Brian. And I'm Brian. And we have a special guest. This is a first. We are welcoming one of my good friends, Brian Amon, one of Brian Jones's former roommates, Brian Amon. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for bringing that up. Appreciate that. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't the problem when we lived together. Uh, it's, yeah, we'll just keep it at that. <laughs> I like that it's a point of shame. <laughs> yeah, I lived with Brian, and oh. I uh, I barely recovered. <laughs> Look at my college. life now. Was, That's because of Brian. Four. So the Brian's weren't the issue. There was four of us in that room. So it's you know, <laughs> yeah. This was many. This was many many years ago. Yeah. And you don't know, but those other two are with us today here in the studio. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, Brian, we this uh, for all of our viewers, our listeners. Um, I, I always forget how podcasts go. Do people listen or watch? I don't know. Um, so we have uh, this episode is going to be all about '90s TV, and it's like all three of us are like we've seen so much '90s TV. We could talk without any preparation yeah. on all, a lot of these shows. But real quick, just to get a flair for Brian A's. Uh, picks and like what are what his tv um palette is like mm. what would you say is one of the best or one of the top two uh of your favorite shows that weren't from the 90s weren't from the 90s um so there was a little overlap in the 90s but i think the wonder years is one of the best tv sh- series ever super solid love the wonder years how i met your mother i can i can have that on all the time um the office i still watch the office um continuously and yeah i think those three would be for sure um it's always sunny in philadelphia is always solid too so that's a show we don't talk about too much but like the other three we've talked about plenty um actually a couple weeks ago we did an episode like this but about the 80s and we had our special guest beth on and one of the shows we talked about was the wonder years Solid. And I had said, because I think this is a great spot to launch off into another uh, the spiritual successor of it, of Boy Meets World. Was like, really? if you like the Wonder Years, Boy Meets World is just like, it's Wonder Years, but for the modern times. Yep. And, and just, it, it's a little different, but it's it's mm-hmm. really that same exact feel. And it's got a Savage Brother. So, Brian, either Brian, one of you guys well, can talk about I Boy think Meets if, World. If we're talking about Boy Meets World, let's say I have a whole block of shows that I'm going to call the TGIF block. Yes. So why don't we just start off with those because this definitely fits into that category. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I think Brian, all three of us, they've watched a lot of Boy Meets World and I've been rewatching it along with the Pod Meets World podcast. So it's, it's fresh in my mind uh, as, as well. Yeah, I, Boy Meets World, I think the Wonder Years really like, it was it made you nostalgic for something that you didn't uh, like that you weren't growing up in and then boy meets world picked it picked up and like gave you that instant nostalgia for the moment that you were in right there yeah like it was like i wanted i wanted friends like Corey and sean everybody wanted to date a girl like topanga like you know it was it was kind of this like 90s archetype that kind of encapsulated like what it was like to be a kid during that time period which i think that's what made the emotional connection and then it was just hilarious. It was just so funny because it was so relatable with a lot of what was going on. Yeah. What I liked about Boy Meets World 
versus some of its other contemporaries, especially something like Full House, is that, sure, there was this element of, well, let's sit you down and teach you this life lesson about what's going on in this episode. And, I mean, we still get that a little bit to this day, but it was really, like, ham-fisted in the 90s. But Boy Meets World avoided the same the pitfalls that I think Full House fell into when I was watching Full House that every the few times that I did I'm like this is too much mm. this is too schmaltzy and preachy Boy Meets World at least had a lot of fun and mm. some good stories and had some great heart and characters that I didn't I'm sorry feel with Full House but uh it did also have that element of like Oh, Mr. Feeney's talking. Let's all sit and listen because this guy, this is my teacher. I want to learn from Mr. Feeney. He's great. So I think it avoided what other shows didn't do as well. I agree. It was less preachy, but it was also, but there was also, there were the lessons really. And I think of the episode when, when Sean goes and gets drunk Mm -hmm. um, and then they they had the whole alcohol, you know, conversation. One of the few that are banned from Disney channel. Is it really? I didn't know. It's on Disney plus though. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So you have that episode. I think the episodes of like Topanga's parents going through divorce and kind of like how she navigated that as like a 13 or 14 year old, I think. So, but so like they brought these things to attention and, you know, it's, I think we look back on it with fond memories because there was a lot of moral resolution at the end of the episodes where it wasn't just trying to be provocative for the sake of being provocative. Like you felt like you learned something like, Hey, as a, 10, 11, 12, 13 are watching this is like, okay, these things are, you know, important. Like, Hey, these are lessons that Corey's learning or Topanga's learning or Sean's learning. And you kind of learned along with them. Yeah. And I'm not saying it was like all encompassing, but I I think it definitely had maybe a more subconscious impact on, on people my age. Yeah. Uh, And on the, on the, the funny side of it though, the show was horrible with continuity. Like Corey and Topanga (laughs) were just like, Kids who knew each other who had no interest in in in, in the f- season one, but later on, oh no, they've been dating since they were two. Season yeah. two, they go into seventh grade, they graduate high school. Season five, four years later, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then and then like um, I think uh, was it Sean had a sister for one episode. Yeah, <laughs> and then and so, so did so Topanga. Yeah. <laughs> well, so did Rachel Green. She had two oh. sisters that never. Yeah. No. Um. But the the last thing I'll say about Boy Meets World because we have a lot of shows to get to, yeah, and we've talked that. a lot about it on our podcast. Is that when you're talking about life lessons, there are other shows that you hear them in the life lessons are like, okay, I already knew that. You're kind of just preaching at me, and it's like an echo chamber. Whereas Boy Meets World, sure, there are things like, yeah, that's a good lesson, but there's some that just completely blindsided me. Like, mm. um, I, I've brought it up before, I believe, but the one when uh. Corey and Topanga are married and they're having all these issues with their new apartment and they're looking and Corey turns to his parents to help him out. And his dad's like, no, you guys decided you are old enough to get married. You are old enough to figure this out. And I'm like, that's mean. But like the end of result of the episode was like, there is that he believed in them. And he's like, I'm not going to keep bailing you out. You are going to solve your own issues because you're an adult now. And I'm like, I would never thought of that at that age. And I'm like, I love that idea because, like I said, it stuck with me because I, I that was my first time hearing that idea and concept. I do think, too, like for the 90s, um, where things were a lot less provocative, obviously, than are today, even handling the whole like sex issue between Corey and Topanga, where he's like, I've seen the promised land, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and that whole, I thought that was really interesting because it like 
they it, there was uh there was like almost a there was tension there instead of like oh let's just go do whatever it was like these are like we're making decisions because this is a big deal for us and um you know and i thought that they handled that in a really funny light-hearted way but yeah. really gave some depth moral depth to the characters that i thought other tv shows maybe would have just kind of glazed over so. Brian, did you want to talk about some other Brian uh, Jay? Do you want to talk about some other of the TJF block real quick, and then we'll we'll move on to something else? Uh, yeah. So I mean, the uh, the main one obviously that I want to talk about a little bit was Full House because growing up, we were a big Full House house. Like we still have somewhere. I mean, um, VHS tapes of the original airings, which is kind of fun to watch because you'll look through the commercials and I'd be like, we predict Senator Bill Clinton's going to win his next election. You know. But just like that, it was so cheesy, but we grew up with that. And like the whole, you know, Danny Tanner and Uncle Jesse was so cool. And I was like, oh, my God. And like that, that was the the show of so many catchphrases. I mean, yeah, like have mercy. Hola, Tanneritos. How rude. You got a dude. Oh, my Lanta. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that. Everybody uh, cut it out. Everybody had a catchphrase on that show. Yeah. Everyone cool. in the 90s had catchphrases. That yes, was the yes. catchphrase central. Mm -hmm. But that show was like every character pretty much had one. And that was... I mean, just that, and later on, you think, like, how does the economics work? Is Danny Tanner footing the bill for everything? Are Jesse and Joey just completely freeloading, or are they splitting the bills three ways? That's a, a, a giant house in San Francisco. That can't be cheap. Uh, that rent was probably, in today's numbers, would have been, like, 12 grand a month for that yeah. house in San Francisco. It's yeah. it's, it's wild. But yeah. I think, uh, go ahead, Matt. They have the same financial advisor as the six friends do. On friends. Well, at least they hand waved it saying it was Monica's grandma's and it was uh, rent controlled, which. Yeah. That's but I mean, and other than Full House, there is a. I'm just going to list some shows and see if, if you guys want to talk about them. Uh, you got sure. Family Matters with Urkel, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Step by Step, Roseanne, Smart Guy, and Sister Sister. Step by Step. Yeah. One of one of a very underrated show. Love I that agree. show. Uh, and being from Wisconsin, that was kind of a cool thing because it took place in Fort Washington, Wisconsin. And outside of like that 70s show, which is another show that we could probably talk about. But um, outside of Wisconsin, like was on the map. It's like, oh, they show like the roller coaster amusement park. And then it, they have the sign that says Port Washington, Wisconsin. And so growing up there or growing up close to there, it was kind of uh, it was cool. But I thought um, I thought step by step was good. It was it was still, I, I'm trying to think of the word formulaic. Like it still felt very nineties formula yeah. for, for a TV show. But as far as comedic value goes, um, step-by-step -step was a solid TGIF. Oh yeah. TGIF Especially with yeah. Cody, the, the cousin who lived in the garage or in, the, in his van in the, in the driveway yeah. until the actor got uh, fired for domestic assault and he just went away. <laughs> it's funny. They just write him out. That, that happens. Well, was, that was lost. Oh, you got a DUI. You're going to get shot. Uh, you yeah. got a DUI too. You're gonna get shot too. Oh, you got a DUI. Um, we can't kill three at once. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're gonna pretend. We're, we're just gonna make everyone think that Jen's dead for a while. Then he'll get to come back. He, it's like he went on timeout. <laughs> he did. Um, and well, you can't, you can't. We can't breeze past Family Matters that was no stopping for Urkel, one like the iconic characters of the '90s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking of family matters, and I wanted to just mention Smart Guy because you talked about step by step being underrated. To me, Smart Guy was underrated. Yeah, I sure. really enjoyed Smart oh, Guy. Yeah. I thought Taj Mahari was really funny. Uh, mm -hmm. The actor who played Mo was a really good, like, stupid friend sort of humor. Yeah. Um, and the dad was a really great dad. And so, yeah. really good actors in that. But I just wanted to give 
like just comment on the history of TV for a while was segregated. I mean, yeah, you, you can look at that. If you look back at the seventies, you see like, like these sort of family sitcoms, you like, you had the Jeffersons and Jefferson's great or Sanford and son. And they're great shows, but I mean, it's, catering to black culture and then you have like cosby show come out and like cosby show was this huge hit and it's like wait there's a market for this let's have some more shows like smart guy sister sister martin um family matters and some great shows are like we can have great programming for black people and then it reaches across that racial divide and like this isn't just for black people people are enjoying this show it doesn't matter their race i think so yeah, I think Fresh Prince did that for me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fresh Prince was good. I think the the when so like when Carlton kind of gets blackballed from his fraternity for being quote unquote too white, and yeah. having that conversation of what that means. I thought that was like that was very when I growing up. Obviously, those are not conversations that I'm necessarily having because I lived in a predominantly white area. But it really it kind of opened my eyes to oh black culture. I grew up in the middle of Wisconsin, where it was just there was it was just you know very very white. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, don't say. Grew up on a farm. So, uh, but no, like Fresh Prince did that for me. I think Fresh Prince also did a phenomenal job, world-class job of dealing with with the fatherlessness issue and and uh, Will's issue with his, his real biological dad and then how Uncle Phil stepped in and was, the act- was actually his dad. I thought that whole situation was handled brilliantly. Yeah. And... Yeah, well, and, and also just going back, so all, in all these like TJF shows, they, it's like a, it's like the MCU universe, all centered around Urkel, mm. because okay, Urkel made guest appearances on Full House and on Family Matters, and at one point in Family Matters, Urkel talks about having a pen pal, Corey Matthews, in Philadelphia. Uh, does he really? Yeah, I did so not. Like, know that's hilarious. Yeah, and like this was, I mean, as a kid of the '90s, all of these shows, like there were different times they were they were, they were overlapping, but it's like that was the thing. Friday night, we were too too young to be going out and hanging out with people. It was like I I want to get rent a movie and watch the TGIF block every week. Like that was I still remember like the jingles, and it's like that was the time to be watching TV at night. Yeah. Well, let's real quick move into Thursday night television then, because that does a, the same sort of thing. The must see NBC. Because, like, Friends did that. They had uh, George Clooney on from ER, and uh, I can't remember who the other actor was with him. They had, I think, Caroline in the City. Um, They were on. Like, there was a lot of that early on in the 90s because these producers were like, hey, we own all these shows. Let's use this corporate synergy and start introducing different ones. And so you saw a number of these actors pop up. When Matthew Perry was on Seinfeld, was he in character as Chandler? Because I know that he was in, like, an early episode of Mm. Seinfeld. And I I'm not thought sure. that maybe it was Chandler Bing on Seinfeld, but I, I couldn't remember. Well, there's also the, there was a, the, the one night when every episode on the block, like Seinfeld friends, they all had a blackout. It was supposed to be like we're seeing the same blackout in all these different shows in New York. That's right. And I think we got to move. I think well, let's just stay on friends for a minute here because like, I think like love them or hate them. Like I think these if you're about iconic 90s shows, I think the big pillars are friends in Seinfeld. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I, I caught into Friends. I watched like the last two or three seasons live because obviously I was a little young to watch the earlier seasons. But yeah, Friends for the longest time was like my all time favorite show, and then it got dethroned by The Office a little bit later. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, Friends was good. I was not as much of a Friends fan, but one show we haven't mentioned that I loved was Home Improvement. Yeah. Home for, Improvement, oh, yeah. Super solid. One of my 
Tim Allen is just was just hilarious through the whole thing. And then, um, you know, it, it, Home Improvement had some some like Boy Meets World vibes and maybe some similar themes and stuff. But I just think just the just the whole comedic value of, of everything. And and uh, what's his neighbor's name that lived across the fence? Wilson. 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 Yeah. That whole thing was hilarious. It's like you never saw the guy except from his like the bridge of his nose up. And I was it's just I don't know. I, I enjoyed that show, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was a <laughs> that was a Tuesday night show. Like it's kind of funny because like you can look at these blocks of TV and see what they did. Cause like that Thursday night we we're talking about, yeah, you, you had the uh Seinfeld and ER and uh Mad About You and Friend. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday that and that was NBC. Tuesday was owned by ABC because they had uh, Home Improvement, Full House, and Grace Under Fire during that Tuesday night period. And NBC's like, we need to get some program. They had like Third Rock from the Sun, and like, yeah. like that was yeah. popular, but it could not dethrone oh. Home Improvement. You couldn't Brad mess with said, Third Rock from the Sun was, is, is underrated, and I, I've watched that entire series. It's, it's, it's excellent. John Lithgow, John George Gordon-Levitt, French Stewart. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I was, never, I was never a fan. But there's no going against Tim Allen in the 90s. During There's one week or a couple weeks where Tim Allen had the number one show on TV, had the number one book in America, and had the Santa Claus number one movie in America as well. Crazy. All three at the same exact time. And in the 90s, he had Buzz Lightyear. And Toy I was going to say Toy Story 2, yeah, as well. Yep. Not Toy Story 2, but Toy Story as well. Uh, yeah. Also <laughs> Toy Story 2 and 3 and 4 as well. Yeah, yeah. To- Toy Story 2 was 99, I believe. 95 was the first well, one, but yeah. Um, two and then he was, what was it, Galaxy Quest? Was he in that Galaxy movie? Quest. Yeah. That's the <laughs> underrated movie. If we're talking about underrated, if you are a Star Trek fan, go watch Galaxy Quest. It is so funny. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And then it's sort of Last Man Standing was like, they had in, they had in jokes and all these things. Basically, Last Man Standing was like, hey, you remember all the stuff I did in the 90s? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's I bring Jay Leno in. But yeah, home improvement. Like uh, when I look at what I watched in the '90s, my dad would tape TV shows off of, like, on a VHS. For you kids who don't know what that is, look it up online. Um, they would he would tape it on VHS and we'd watch it. And he'd always have like a backlog of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there was some shows, and we don't need to talk about these. But he, we had like Touch by an Angel. We had Star Trek uh, Voyager. We had um, Coach. And we mm-hmm. had Home Improvement was like the big one that I remember. That I was like, I love Home Improvement. I'm always excited when we're watching this. And as a kid, honestly, it's really weird. Like my hook with Home Improvement was I was always interested after the cre- the opening credits to see what that little Home Improvement logo would do and like how it would do some sort of bounce around. And yeah. then like in the opening scene after the credits and i'm like Listen, oh, we, so fun. we didn't really have the internet back then. we got hyped over really simple things like <laughs> so real quick like 30 second funny story uh when i was about 10 years old so this would have been 98 i was homesick from school and i was trying to be a good big brother and vhs uh record an episode of pokemon for my brother okay so I go and record this VHS uh, episode of Pokemon, and then I realize I had taped over my sister's birth. Uh, <laughs> this is like a sitcom so, episode. So, uh, yeah. So basically you see it's my mom and dad, ro- like, rolling my mom in a wheelchair into the hospital saying, goodbye, everybody. We're going to go have a baby. And then 22 minutes of Pokemon, and then my sister. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's that Pokemon? It's my sister. Yeah, exactly. That's who it is. <laughs> it's Rachel. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, you use that tape to, to to describe and show how babies are born. People are gonna be yeah, very confused. 
Well, so first, if you lock you eyes with a trainer, you. <laughs> this is when you throw the pokeballs, and then yeah, nine months later. <laughs> but if we can back Starts up a little bit, and uh, goes yeah. to you know. If we back up to friends for a minute, so like friends, also what it did, not just with friends, but like um, it just changed the landscape of TV. Like even in like Boy Meets World, the second season, the third season, you not only had like Mr. Turner, the young, cool 20 something teacher, but then you bring in, you know, uh, Alec Desire as Eli Williams, his, his, his friend. And they're like talking about, you know, girls and dating in his apartment. And it's like, oh, now you have 20 somethings hanging out in an apartment right a couple of years after Friends started. Hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it's like they wanted to catch on to that audience. And you started to see a decline of like the, the family sitcoms that were ruling the 80s yep. because shows like Friends made it cool to be like the, the young the young people hanging out. And even I think Friends even, you know, just set, set, set stage for that, those kinds of shows going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've talked about like there's there's some really good family show and like we've talked at, at nauseum on our podcast about Everyone Loves Raymond and I was like yeah. hey you know Brian or Brian taping over with that one thing with the Pokemon like that's exactly what happened on um Raymond. on yeah. Everyone Loves Raymond he tapes over the wedding with a football game and, like mm. that's an actual episode and so yeah. like yeah we had those great family dramas and we'll still have a little bit of dramas that that's using that word loosely those great family comedies and uh, we still have a little bit of those but it absolutely changed the landscape of friends going from family yeah. to adopted family and like the, the family that you choose. Let me ask yeah. you a question, Matt. Yeah. On what would you say as far as like that mid to late nineties? I know we've talked a lot about family comedies cause that was kind of the bread and butter, but like yeah. as far as dramas go or like more serious shows or things like that, what, what were some of your favorites on on that side? Um, I didn't watch it at the time but I've started watching it in the last couple of years. And I think West wing was a really solid Ooh. example of yeah. how to do uh, real drama TV. Cause Aaron Sorkin is a genius with dialogue. He does such a great job. And I actually watched like a, a documentary about WB that is like the, this shouldn't have worked because people didn't want a political like drama. They didn't want that sort of heavy because it's like, Oh, it's politics. It's boring. But then they read the script and Aaron Sorkin's dialogue was so sharp. And they're like, this is actually really interesting. And then the director in the pilot episode was like, this is great dialogue, but it's making for really boring camera angles. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the dialogue on the move and it set the pace and the tone for the, the entire show because they're yeah. constantly, exactly. They're constantly doing that walk and talk and you feel so engaged because the, the dialogue moves at that lightning pace. And so do they, they're putting action to that sort of pace. And so it does a really good job of handling topics and it does it doesn't get too far onto either side of them. It gives a good balance on both and be like, yeah, there's room for meeting in the middle, which is what I think a good political show should do while also standing their ground on certain things. That was like, yeah, this character would not, not change their opinion at all about this, whatever. Well, in those walking talks, you can see the DNA of that in like parks and rec or in like the political sides of 24 as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked, um, Think this is '90s. If it is, it's the end of the '90s. As Freaks and Geeks was yep, really '99. Yep, yeah, so that was the end of the '90s. I thought that was like a that was a Seth Rogen's um, start. Um, that was James Franco's in there. Yeah, so there was a lot of like stars that came out of that. But Louis it was Carlini. a yes, yep. super solid show that got canceled too quickly, in my opinion. 
Um, I think it was not on the air for very long. So, no. but yeah. Yeah, and, and as one of those, it's just like, you just look at that cast and it's like, how did this get canceled? But it's like, they're all unknowns at that time. And that speaks to the testament of like these actors that they go from that show and they just explode out of that. And it's like, wow, great job on everyone of just doing great job, uh, great work. Well, that's um, even like you know, both friends in Seinfeld. You watch those shows. Oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. It's that guy. Like people who are now big and famous, and they're like bit parts in these shows. Yeah. Exactly. Were you guys- I, or go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, I've got like very few live action shows left because we haven't even gotten into animated. And this was the time for me that I was like, I was all about animated shows. But the last the last two live that I have, um, both have Drew Carey in it. I did like the Drew Carey show. That was was pretty good. Yeah. And Whose Line? So Whose Line? Fantastic. Yes. Whose Line Is It Anyway to me is just such good 90s television because I don't know if you guys ever watched like the original from Britain. It was on in 90, uh, 88 all the way to 99. And so that was like the early 90s and mid, obviously. And it was big in Britain. But mm. like then Ryan Stiles started work on the Drew Carey show and he went to Drew Carey and he's like, this is something that I'm involved with over there that I think would really work for American audience. And Drew Carey's like, I love it. And Drew Carey was the one who like really pushed to bring it to the States and they did their own version. He's like, well, Ryan Stiles obviously has to be on this. And this Colin Mockery guy that he works with, he has to be too. And then they found Wayne Brady and then Wayne a couple Brady others that they would borrow. Wayne, Wayne Brady made the show in my opinion. Yeah. Wayne Brady was the funniest guy on there. Anytime there was a musical yep. prompt, yeah. Wayne Brady stole the show. He was so I effortlessly. Have yes. I have one, but I'll hear for you guys. Is there a, a one specific whose line moment that sticks with you? Because I have one specific moment that comes to me, comes to mind for me. For me, it would have been Robin Williams. When Robin oh, Williams yeah. did a, when Robin Williams was guest star, um, that was one of the funny, some of the funniest moments on TV. Yeah. How about you, Matt? Not one that said, I always go back to when they're singing the three headed song and Drew Carey can't make it through the song at all. He keeps like laughing and then like (laughs) at one point, because they're only supposed to sing one line at one word at a time. And then like they're going one word, it goes, and take me on up. (laughs) It's just like, just completely throws out the rules of the song just because he's, it's like it's so bad in keeping yeah. with the gimmick, but it is really funny to watch him not be able to hold on to himself. So the last, the last live action I'll mention, um, and uh, was Xena oh. Warrior Princess. Real quick, Brian, uh, Jay, did you have a, a moment that you? Oh yeah, what is real quick? It's just a mistake. I forget what the scene was, but it was um, Ryan Styles was crawling on the ground, acting. This was where they got to figure out what he's what he's supposed to be. And he goes up and he, he like, there's a little like LED lights on the front of the podium that Drew Carey sits behind and he crashes into it with his head and breaks the glass. And like, it's kind of like stops the scene and Drew Carey just cannot stop laughing. They're like, they're like, Oh my gosh. Like while laughing, are you okay? Are you okay. He's like, they're like all busting out. Yeah, I'm fine. But like Ryan Stiles was so committed. He didn't realize he smashed his face into this glass lights on the podium. I thought of I thought of another one that I actually will like bring up quite often, and it makes me respect Drew Carey a lot. There was a they uh, were like trying to come up with a, a two unlikely roommates to like do a uh, a song about who would be two unlikely roommates for a sitcom, and someone says something about like Hitler, like Hitler and the schoolgirl or something like that, and the producers are like, no, we we can't do that. We can't do Hitler references on this show. 
And he's like, oh, Drew Carey's like, well, apparently we're not doing that. It's a new suggestion. Later in that show, they make a joke at the expense of Native Americans. Um, and then after the game's done, then uh, Drew Carey's like, well, I'm glad we can mock Native Americans because no one gives an F about them. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> that, that is so great. Like, yeah, you're not going to be like, yay, Hitler's great. Like, you're going to be making fun of him. Why are you afraid to make fun of a terrible human being? But then you're like, oh, these people that are good people let's make fun of them instead yeah all right that, that, that was yeah. my <laughs> there you go there's my soapbox all, all right, right. So Zeta Warrior Princess. Yes. that's all i was gonna say is uh i feel like uh i feel like watching my mom liked that show and as as a nine-year-old boy i liked that show probably for different reasons um but what it reasons was, are those uh, well, uh, she, her name is Zena, and she is a warrior princess. <laughs> and, I uh, may have developed a fascination for a strong woman in yes. this time in my life. <laughs> she was the OG muscle mommy. And, uh, you know, so. <laughs> okay. Can we strike muscle mommy from the record? Is that. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is, a, this is a PG show. My bad. And then um, Zena went on to marry Ron Swanson. Did she really? Yeah. Dang, dude, that's that's not only, only in the sh- only in the show, right? Not in real life. No, right? no, he's... in real life he's married to Tammy too. Yeah. No, uh, in, in his Ron's wife in the show. Anyways, keep continuing. Anyways, no, I just thought that that was. I was just thinking like we're thinking like the kind of the last of the the live action shows. That was the one that came to mind. So I still have a number of live action. You know, we're talking about warriors. Um, what about the team of warriors that Zordon had to recruit to fight Rita Repulsa with the Mighty yeah. Morphin Power Rangers? That's a good segue right there. So, I didn't, yeah. I didn't bring it. I didn't put it on my list, and I had forgotten about it because, like, when I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, oh, Brian will bring up Power Rangers. Now, there's yeah. no worries here. You bet I will. I was there, Day of the Dumpster, which is the title of the first episode. I remember, I remember him. I remember Goldar and Pudgy Pig and everybody. 1993. I was there. That was don't speak that ancient wing uh, what was it ancient witchcraft to me i was there when it was written and then i mean the 90s could include power rangers all the way up through like power rangers lost galaxy but like let's i mean no one knows about that nobody cares like the first few seasons like the og power rangers nobody really kept up with it after it's tommy and billy and kimberly and um the other ones i can't think of names right now. jason zach trini adam yeah yeah so 100 i get that yeah. And you just rattle it off like it's it's like second nature. Oh yeah, all but, these people. I can tell you their middle names too. Well, some of them, yes. But um, anyways, I, I know that I, I'm 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 the nerd who knows the the franchise. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers itself. It was such a. It's funny because at that time they said there wasn't internet. People didn't know how big a show they were they were, they were doing. Mm-hmm. The cast has said in different interviews. I've heard this from multiple sources from the cast. They didn't realize what a big hit they were on. Because then they were just like you know making this show in a vacuum kind of thing. There was a like an appearance, like a public appearance scheduled uh, downtown LA, and it like shut down the freeway because it clogged. So many like thousands of people were coming to see them. They had to like on the spot. All right, we're gonna do like four or five more shows, and like they they were like people were the cast were seeing this huge arena of people that came to see them when they thought they were just making some dumb show that no one was watching. That was but the let's moment. Be fair. Where, like, yeah, bringing LA traffic to a standstill is not hard. Like, that happens <laughs> no. multiple times a day. But it was like merchandisers ran out of ran out of their stuff at like the last minute, and like they were all like, "Holy crap, we're actually famous!" Yeah, yeah. 
and they didn't get paid very well. I watched the I watched the uh, the documentary that just came out like this last year. And that's why three of them quit. Yeah. Yeah, they just didn't get paid for what they were worth, and it's uh, it's it's sad, you know. So it was well, I mean, when you when so much of the budget comes from merchandising, because that's mm-hmm. really like mm-hmm. sure people watched it, but how much? how much did they get from the ratings? They got so much more from merchandising. It's like the George Lucas thing. Again, George Lucas for went like getting a salary in the opening in the first star Wars movies. And is like, I want the merchandising rights hundred percent, all of the merchandising rights, which is why you have crazy amounts of star Wars merchandise because Mm -hmm. George Lucas is like, I know, I know where the profit is. He's he's like yogurt from space balls, merchandising space balls, (laughs) the flamethrower. Well, and about half of the Power Rangers merchandise was bought by my parents for me in the nineties. Like, oh yeah, fair. So I had, I had, um, basically, you could buy these like thirty dollar. I don't remember. They were the, the the Zords, but then they you get like twelve of them. They all get together together. And, they make them. Um, and I, yeah, my parents bought me those, and I remember every Christmas that and Street Sharks. I don't know if you remember Street. Not Street I know it's off topic. Off topic here. But street sharks were my jam. The little, they were sharks on rollerblades, and they had like the little. You could push their jaws open, and you could fight with them. Yeah, it was a good time. Real quick, I know, I know, we've got so much still to talk about. We're not yes. even close to done, but there. Okay, we That's we're it. seeing real quick the Megazord here. Well, Brian yep. is showing us visually. Of course, we, I had to bring that out. You just brought up like this this '90s thing. This is that like scratch the itch at your back, the back of your head of like this nostalgia. Like, oh yeah, I remember that. What's a commercial from the '90s that lives rent free in your head? Oh man. Okay, I'll go uh, first. Capri Sun turning into those like Terminator 1000 looking guys to get Capri Sun. Like, oh, I'm gonna drink a drink now. I'm Silver Surfer. Anytime it was two in the morning. And then a CD commercial would come on. Oh, yeah. Like list out. Celine Dion, right? Celine Dion, Michael Bolton. And you would know, like, you you would hear the commercial so many times that it would stick in your head. I will say this this commercial was not notable for any reason, but the lore and the the, the script of this commercial has stuck in my head for 25 years. And it's a Sears commercial. And it's an air conditioning Sears commercial, and it's oh, a wife talking back and forth. And they're like, Oh, I hear today's gonna be hot. Yeah, it's another scorcher. Will you call Sears? I'll call today. You'll call now, I'll call now. And then they go through the whole like you know thing. And then at the end of the commercial, uh, she, he's like, Um, I hear it's gonna be another scorcher, and she's like, because they're all like comfortable in their house now. And she goes, Cool, and that's the end of the commercial. I remember that. Not notable. Not notable, but in my head for the rest of my life, that and Muzzy. I don't know if you remember Muzzy, but the it was the uh, language learning for kids. Um, and you could learn like, that speak French and G- German and different languages. I'll, I'll send it to you. You'll, you'll immediately remember. So, Brian, is yours Crossfire? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, what was it? Mine was, um, well, there's a few of them. There's... Uh, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Yes. There's the double mint commercial. There's the big red jingle. Mm. And, there, and then there's the, the, the M&Ms and Santa Claus. They do exist. He does exist. Yeah. Well, that one lives in your head because you see it every freaking Christmas. They yeah. still play it. You know who the voice of the yellow M&M is? J.K. Oh. Simmons. Oh, interesting. You know who the voice of the red M&M is? Fry from Futurama. Yeah. Crazy. 
you guys remember the Pepsi, the little girl from Pepsi? Yep. That would, like play the piano with Ray Charles. Yep. That was a that That's was a right one, baby. Uh huh. <laughs> what, what was the other? Oh, you had said one that it, like it just reminded me of one, and I can't remember it. Is it a gum call? Every now yeah, no, there it is. Mentos, yeah. the fresh maker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, hmm, there's a problem. Papa Mentos. Now I've got it. Oh, or the Folgers jingle. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Ta -da. Remember the Folgers jingle? I do remember. Most the part of waking jingle. up is Folgers in your cup. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So I said that I didn't have any more live action, but I did have a broad spectrum of stuff that includes live action shows. So this we've talked about this network specifically before, but in yeah. 1977, Nickelodeon debuted. Yeah. And that wasn't the Nickelodeon we know now and today or in the 90s, but really they were commercial free for the first seven years or so. In 1984, they started getting commercials in. And 1984, they started to get um, some more specific programming and they really were dedicated to aiming shows at kids and not just shows to talk down to kids but shows for kids to relate to shows that yeah. kids could be like i'm watching this and i can feel those same problems and so we see in the 90s these shows have get like the, the it blows up we see shows like clarissa explains it all or yeah. doug or hey arnold later in the, the years or rugrats or um all that keenan and Kel. there you go so there's a swarth of them and i remember uh like Brian, Brian J, what would you say was the top one or maybe top two from Nickelodeon? That's for, hard to boil it down. Well, for Nickelodeon, especially 90s Nickelodeon, um, it would have to be a three-way tie, Rugrats, Keenan and Kel, and all that for me. Yeah. I, I loved all that. I Keenan and Kel was good, but I, I think I liked the diversity of the all that cast. Of uh, There's a lot of different guys. For me, Keenan and Kel, I didn't like Keenan so much in the show. I think Keenan's great. I always laugh at him, yeah. but I felt like in the show, his character was a little more annoying, whereas Kel was like that lovable goofball that you're like, oh, Kel is great, even though he ruins everything for Keenan. Yeah, but Kel is like, it's like the perfect one where Kel is is stupid, but so like sweet and kind hearted and, and, and well meaning. Yes. And then Brian A, when we when I let you know about this podcast and asked you to come on, one of the things that you mentioned was like, oh, Nickelodeon game shows. And to me, mm. Nickelodeon game shows. That was where I was at. Uh, so, what so was your top one? That's tough. So I think. That's really hard. I think if we were going to go maybe not my top one, but what I think people would consensusly consider the top one would probably be Double Dare with Mark Summers. Yes, um, that was a very good one. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was a really good one. My favorite at the time was Nick Arcade and Global Guts. Um, and then Global Guts was great. Um, I can't think of the host name. He, he went on to be a comedian, um, and I can't think of his name right now. But here's the thing. So, like, when Michael I, Malley. Michael Malley. So you know what? Oh, yeah, I don't have my So when I was when I was uh, doing youth programming, uh, I oh, would no. watch I would watch Wild and Crazy Kids, and that's where I yes. get my games from. Like there were so many games that you could pull. Wild and Crazy Kids was one of the coolest, low budget, just kids literally like the whole like thing is kids out having fun. Um, yeah. And so it kind of took that on, and then, um, but Nick Arcade was good. Global Guts was cool because I thought. Like I assumed as a 10 year old, I'm like, I could do that. And then I definitely couldn't. I was not, I was pudgy and short. It's like uh, how we watch uh, the Ninja Warrior now. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm Guts like, was definitely the American gladiator for kids. For kids, yes. more or less. And then yep. What Would You Do was fun um, with uh, Summer Sanders. What uh, or no, was that? I'm sorry, that was figure the one. It out. She was Figure It Out. That's right. Figure It Out. Uh, I like what Figure would you It Out. Do? What Would You Do was also Mark Summers. Um, and that was like more of a reality sh game show in front of a live audience where they would like pull people out of the crowd to do different things. Um, okay. But yeah, no, so Summer Sanders was cool uh, with What Would You Do? And, and they brought on a lot of celebrities and stuff. And then, you know, um, but yeah, no, Nick Arcade is probably my personal favorite just because I, I, you know, I liked it. And then, but I think Double Dare would be the consensus best. Uh, yeah, Nick Arcade for me was top because you like the idea of like, oh, for their things, besides the trivia part of it, they're playing video games. Right. And the final battle thing is you go into a big green screen studio and it's like the idea was you were teleported inside the arcade game. Obviously yeah. for a kid, you're like, that's the freaking coolest thing ever. Right. And, and like, so for like that cool factor... Arcade had it, and then the higher budget one of uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yes, like that. I the 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 beginning parts of the show, I was always like, okay, let's get through it because I loved the ending. The that final big run through the whole temple stage was super cool. Yes, hundred percent agree. Um, and then they just did. I mean, it was only a few years ago, but they did a they they re ran it back. And they had Legends of the Hidden Temple like as a, like a modern show, same host and everything. Obviously, it didn't take off or anything, but I thought I was like, dang, that would have been cool. I was always a Silver Snakes fan. Didn't care who the kid yeah. was. I was always Silver Snakes. That's that was my uh, that was my team to go to. Just don't look at uh, interviews of kids who went on there and how bad things were behind the scenes and oh, stage and everything. I'm I'm sure it was. So, <laughs> um, oh, and then real quick with Wild Crazy Kids, you guys know who the host was? Yes, Omar. Omar yep, Johnny yeah, Gooding, um, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother. Yes, who was from Smart Guy? Yeah, right. Yeah, yep. Mm -hmm. Um. So, and then Brian, Brian uh, J. Was there yes. shows from Nickelodeon that we didn't hit on that we we mentioned? Are you afraid of the dark at the begin? Actually, maybe it was off camera. We mentioned that, and we didn't really oh, yeah. say anything about um, that. As far as the nineties. We, I mean, there's just all the Nicktoons, which, I mean, we've already done a whole episode all about the Nicktoons. We've already discussed all those. But, I mean, yeah, Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Doug, Cat Dog, you know, our, our Real Monsters, Rocco's Modern Life, Ren and Stimpy, SpongeBob at the very end of the 90s. All of these are, are fantastic. Rock, Rocket Power. Yeah. 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 Brian J., were you a fan – or not Brian J., Brian A., were you a fan of any Cartoon Network shows in the 90s? Johnny Bravo. I no, knew it. I knew Johnny Bravo was going to be the one. <laughs> Johnny Bravo was good. Ed, Ed and Eddie. Uh, yes. was oh, I loved Ed, Ed and Eddie. And then, like, I wasn't a big anime kid at all. Like, but I yeah, loved Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. My It was more my brother's favorite show, and so it was always on. So, like, but I would probably say I wouldn't have put it on if my brother wasn't watching. But I ended up loving it while he was watching it, and it was awesome. But, no, John. Johnny Bravo was so inappropriate for, for what it was like looking back now. And like, I watched a couple episodes of like a few months ago and I'm just like, how did my parents let me watch this considering they, they were so strict, but for some reason, Johnny Bravo slipped through the cracks. The the block of programming a Cartoon Network of Adult Swim came at yes. the right time in my life because that was when my like 
it, it started in 2001, so I was 13 at that time. And that's like the perfect age for that mm-hmm. kind of more edgier, cartoony mm-hmm. stuff. But we wouldn't have Adult Swim because that's in the 2000s. We wouldn't have that without Space Goes Coast to Coast. And yes. we've brought it up on this show before too. And that was, that came out in 94 and actually the parent company, uh, the William street, I think it is that uh, produced space coast coast to coast is responsible directly for starting the adult swim lineup. And so again, like I said, we wouldn't have that if it weren't for them, but space Coast coast to coast was pretty great. And it was just this weird, weird take on the talk show host formula and like, I mean, it was pretty big too. Like they, I remember there's a space Ghost coast to coast episode at the end of the VHS tape of the mask, because they did an episode where they interviewed the director and Jim Carrey. And so both of them were on a space Ghost coast to coast episode. So they're like, well, let's just throw it on the video uh, on the VHS and, and we'll watch that. So, yeah. Well, and the precursor, you can't talk about 90s TV. I mean, technically it started in 89, but I mean, the Simpsons. Yeah. The 90s, yeah. especially early 90s, was peak Simpsons. I mean, Bart Simpson was, was is Homer, too, but I think maybe Homer and Bart are the two Simpsons icon characters. Yeah. And be- before we jump into Simpsons real quick, I just I saw my note here and I forgot to say, uh, apparently Jason Siegel has uh, written a live action, like not that he thinks he's going to go with it, but he wrote himself a live action script of a space ghost coast to coast episode. Oh, nice. He said that like in an interview about shrinking like a year and a half ago or something like that. He's like, yeah, I've got one written. Like, not that he's ever going to do it, but I'm like, yeah, that sounds like his type of show. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he did pretty well with the Muppets. He did. And that was really good. I will say uh, one, yeah, of the most, one, one of the most successful shows of all time is family guy. Like, yeah. you know, as far as that was also, when you talk about that right around that time of that edgy comedy, like coming in, like Family Guy made me like Family Guy formed my sense of humor, basically kind of that dark, like just but almost borderline offensive, but hilarious sense, like sense of humor. Like Family Guy was was good for that. Simpsons was good. I liked The Simpsons. Everybody liked The Simpsons, but Family Guy was was everything back in the day. Yeah. Simpsons was showing, hey, animation isn't for kids. It doesn't exactly. or it doesn't have to be for it kids. It paved the way for all of these shows. It did. And all these parents are like, oh, Simpsons is too edgy. Like, if you look, look, Simpsons is really tame compared to a lot of other stuff. Compared to but friends, it was, yeah. yeah. But because it was animated, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, but this is, you know, some adult situations and that's not okay. And then South Park in 97 or Family Ooh. Guy in 99 come along and like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you, did you want to be offended? Because I've got some good offense I can throw your way. And yeah. they like, took the idea of Simpsons like let's just go to the extreme of actually offending people and being yeah. some very adult humor. South Park was like do you want do you want Saddam Hussein to be having a gay relationship with Satan? Well here you go that's South Park. <laughs> For the record, no one wants that, but they still did it anyway. Did it anyways. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh that's hilarious. No, yeah, that, I, those were some I big- remember at youth convention after hearing about Jesus, we go back to our hotel room and be like, no, one's, no one can stop us from watching South Park. <laughs> <laughs> My hotel show for the longest time was whenever I'm at a hotel and I didn't have cable, I'm like, I can watch Impractical Jokers because it's always on True TV. Always. always. That's all or, hard, I got. or Hardcore Pond. Pond. Let's just be clear. 
one of one of these recent seasons is like they had some guests, you know, when Joe left, they're like, let's bring on guest celebrities or something like that. And so uh, someone, one of the jokers was explaining the show to one of the guest celebrities like, no, I understand the show. I've, I've been in a waiting room before. <laughs> like, that's that's a good joke. Yeah. And I know we've mentioned it, but I think we kind of have to stop down just for a minute. On like the other pillar besides Friends, which was Seinfeld, because Seinfeld, I was never a huge fan. I, I've seen some of it, but you have to acknowledge the cultural impact of like everybody knows about you know George and Kramer and and every, that show was just like unheard of for as far as popularity by the end. Yeah, yeah, it was it was almost like sketch comedy in a way. It had a through storyline, but the idea was let's take some sort of. I don't know if you can call it relatable concept, but like some sort of quirk and let's make an arc about that. And so it's all these stupid asinine things. It was like, Oh, she has man hands. Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a really weird arc to choose for an episode, but that's, that's just what Seinfeld did. They just yep. did these things. It's like, let's just have fun with it and let's make it like a sketch, but it goes throughout the whole episode. And they had about three or four of those. The whole premise was it was a show about nothing. And it really was. Exactly. It was legitimately a show about nothing. Yes. And that that is either your cup of tea or it's not. What okay. I find funny is I don't like Seinfeld's stand-up comedy. I, I never like laugh Same. at his stuff or rarely do. But I can appreciate some of the Seinfeld episodes. Yeah. yeah. And another one kind of that where I, I haven't watched a ton of it, but it's just bonkers. We talked about it last week because of the spinoff. The show Let's Bonkers? Show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a show. The last character you'd think to get a spinoff. Let's give him a spinoff. Let's see how well Frasier does. And then Frasier goes on for like 10 years and is coming back for a reboot again. It's one of those shows where you can't escape the cultural impact of it, even if you don't know the show that well. Like Frasier, Niles, like I think his dad made that show. But yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. What about what about real quick? What about 90s like reality or like that Ooh. kind of like the beginning of that? So from a kid's perspective, Disney had a reality show and it was called Bug Juice. Do you remember this? Oh, vaguely. So Bug Juice was a reality show in Disney for kids going to youth camp. And it was fantastic. And being a kid and going to youth camp myself, like it was just so much fun to watch. And I remember those, those just the reality shows of, of, of Bug Juice. And then that's when Survivor started, was, was the mid to late 90s. Survivor um, was actually 2000. Was it really? Yeah. I thought it was super late 90s. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Different episode. You, you, you can still talk about it. No, it's, it's close yeah, enough. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'll think, think, yeah. Go ahead. I think that Survivor kind of paved the way for, for better oh, yeah. or for worse for, for reality TV and the fact that people wanted to watch real people on TV and not just like movie stars and stuff. So, but yeah, there was – real. Um, Real world gave the concept of reality TV and survivor added like a little bit of comp competitive element, but, and that's what made it so accessible to people. And yeah. then everything else is like, Oh, this is good. Let's try it. Like you see everything else that after that, that came out at that point, bachelor and fear, Fa fear factor is more of a game show. Um, race. Big brother, amazing race that, you know, yeah. and then turns into the real housewives and, yeah. The hills and everything all that crap. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, Survivor was amazing for the first thirty-four seasons. After that, it started to go downhill. <laughs> I have, I have one. It's is not a. This is not a, um, a reality show, but just, just a one of my favorite shows that I do want to just even just take thirty seconds to mention. Uh, in the nineties, I was a big Degrassi kid. I don't know if you <laughs> got into Degrassi at all. 
I was a big Degrassi kid. It was like, it was kind of like a edgier, um, more risque Canadian boy meets world. Uh, it was just about these kids going to high school and it was, but I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know. I, uh, I didn't, yep. did you guys ever get into that or no? Uh, I, I would see it in a couple of classes. Like they would show it at uh, like school for a couple oh, of things. Sure. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, okay. This is what we're doing. And then Drake becomes a famous. It was like, yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> that was, he was on that show before, uh, before he, you know, so, cause in that show. Okay. So the big meme from that show was he's, his, he plays a character named Jimmy Brooks and he's a basketball star. And then they do an episode where it's a school shooting and he gets shot and he ends up in a wheelchair. And so for the rest of the series, he's in a wheelchair. So somebody, and then he had that song came out like um, first name, greatest last name ever. So they made a meme with Jimmy Brooks in a wheelchair that said, first name walking, last name never. And um, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's my, it's, there's, that, there's that family guy sense of humor that I just absolutely love. Like, but it, that was when I, I remember some of the, one of the funniest moments of my life ever scrolling was 10, 12 years ago, whenever I saw that come up on my timeline and I just, I lost it. It was just the funniest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and there's that. So, <laughs> no, nah, that's funny. Um, so here's speaking of of learn about things in school. There was uh, I'm going to go back to animation because I think I've got just a couple more things. You talked about Pokemon, but um, and I loved Pokemon watching that. That was a great show because yeah. I love the game. But Magic School Bus. If we're talking about Ooh, learning oh, about things, yes. the Magic School Bus TV show was in the '90s, and no one wants to be with Miss Frizzle on a field trip. Like as cool as that would be, you're like, eh, you know what? My safety might be more important. But as a kid, you're like, no, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn, you know, you can just float through a bloodstream as a school bus. It's a good time, yep. you know. Or recess, recess. Ooh, yeah, I like that. That was good. Yeah. That was that was a Disney uh, show, right? Yeah, I think it was. I think ABC ABC would show it on Saturday mornings, though. Yep. See, that my big, Saturday big morning big block was Fox. Then it turned into oh. WB Kids, like early two thousands, late nineties. Um, but Fox for me. Um, was Animaniacs on that? Because I remember, I'm, I remember st- distinctly X Men, Spider Man, um, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, yep. and yep. <laughs> weirdly enough, The Tick. I was gonna say there were some really good shows in that Fox block that I loved, and so I was always excited for those when I woke up. I remember one time we taped Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, but the tape didn't work. We got back to watch it, and it's like, we didn't tape it. Are you kidding? It hurt my heart, and it's lost forever. That's no lost forever. You can't ever find it. And if you're, if you're looking for uh, overly dramatic Christian shows, you can't beat Seventh Heaven. Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah. you can. <laughs> I mean, in the category of overly dramatic Christian media from the 90s. Oh, my gosh. Did you guys see that? Like, there was a reel that just got circulated where the, the caption said, uh, when I meet up with all my youth group friends after 15 years. And then it's the it's the scene where the mom looks at the dad and has to admit she goes, "I just want you to know that I've smoked weed once too." <laughs> yeah. like, and he looks at her as if she said she just killed somebody. Killed somebody, and she's yeah. like, "Yeah." Because <laughs> the, or- the episode is hilarious because they he finds weed in the house or something, and he's like reaming into the kids, and it's all this stuff, and then she has to pull him aside and say, "No, it was mine," and uh, it was just like the yeah. end of the world like mom smoked weed like or it's the daughter, my glaucoma 
the daughter stole a glass from a pizza joint, and when she returned it, he's like, "I'm calling the police on you." Like, really? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Is that not how we're supposed to parent? I don't. <laughs> I've learned all of my parenting lessons from the one episode of Seventh Heaven I watched. <laughs> all right. Here's my final one. Um, that had like we can blame or not blame, but we can give credit to Christopher Nolan for reinventing Batman, but we mm. would not have Batman who he is today without the Batman, the animated series. Mm. That show was a lot darker. Like it was still kid friendly, but it leaned into the dark side of Batman. And it actually gave us some very definitive things that we would not have in Batman. Uh, Harley Quinn came out of the Batman animated series. We don't oh. have a Harley Quinn without Batman, the animated series, the mo- most definitive Joker that like I can think of. I know people, I love Heath Ledger. I think that's such a great performance, but Mark Hamill's voice acting for Joker is so iconic as well. And yeah. I, I think they're very different versions, but like it was it was changing the game from what Jack Nicholson did into the combination of that sinister, but funny, like dynamic that you always have to wrestle with when you're writing the Joker. So there's a Batman animated series was really well. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Freeze's storyline, Mr. Freeze in the comic books was just this guy who loved the cold, but then they gave him his wife that he is trying to save and made him this tragic anti-hero villain that like we it's so much more captivating than just i like the cold but it's like no he he really cares about something but he's become obsessed with it yeah i i you nailed it i agree sorry sorry i just have to talk passionately about batman the animated series so that's that's it for my shows i just wanted to get that out there brian jay you got any more well, I got I got a bunch. Uh, it'll kind of go rapid fire, but the last one I want sure. to ta- talk about just for a moment would be, and it's a franchise. Obviously, the the other franchise that I love, and I have to admit, it's good, not great. Which was Muppets Tonight in the '90s, only lasted two seasons, mm-hmm. and the but the thing you have to give it credit for that show uh, gave us Pepe and Bobo the Bear, yes, who debuted in that show. Some yeah. some of my favorite Muppets. I love Bobo. He he might yeah. be actually my legitimate favorite Muppet. That's the show. It's like it's like it's like a cookie. It's like a chocolate chip cookie where there's some like chocolate chips of really amazing moments. But the most show, most of all, it's just kind of bland. It's like, eh. it's not the it's not the Muppets at their finest. But there are some great moments in there. We we've talked about this episode before, but for Brian A's uh, um, <laughs> credit here, there's an episode with Cindy Crawford on. Yes, that. Um, <laughs> Should I tell the story again? Yeah, you you go for it. You tell it well. Okay, so imagine Bobo. You know who Bobo the Bear is from the Muppets? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Bobo has a crush on Cindy Crawford, and he's getting a tips from Rizzo the Rat, who's like uh, Rizzo's on the other side of the door, like feeding him lines of what to say to Cindy Crawford. Right? He's repeating everything Rizzo's saying. Well, on the other side of the door. Rizzo's nephews come in with, with some balloons from the fair. And of course, he Bobo's still thinking he should repeat everything. So he says to Cindy Crawford, Those are some great balloons you got there. Maybe you'll let me play with them later. <laughs> and then she punches him through the door. And he's like, I wasn't supposed to repeat that part, was I? <laughs> I remember being like, as a kid, I'm like, Can the Muppets say that? Can they make that kind of joke? 
the answer is yes, they can. They can, and they did. That's too funny. That's too hey, funny. speaking of Muppets, um, so when this episode airs, I'm in Disney World, and I am partaking of Muppet Vision 3D, one of Ooh. the last Jim Henson projects, and yep. uh, what a good show that is. But coming at you live, by live, I mean in the past, mm-hmm. from Disney World. All right, Brian, I, I, hit us rapid fire. Okay, so I was got a list. Let me know if you ever want to stop and talk about any of these things. These are just ones that people will probably say, why don't you talk about this show? ER, King of Queens, which is made by Jerry Stiller and Patton Oswalt, by the way. X-Files, Law and Order, Will and Grace, The Nanny, Dinosaurs, Allie McBeal, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 19210, and Dawson's Creek. Dinosaurs, Dinosaurs was my jam. Yeah, I love that show. That was just such a funny, like, just stupid, like, I'm the mama, like, get the baby, yeah. you know, that, like, it's just, I don't know. I enjoyed that. That was, that was actually on TGIF for a while. Yeah. It was. That was like right either before or after Boy Meets World. And like, I think it was squeezed between Boy Meets World and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. There was dinosaurs. And so, um, but dinosaurs was such a solid show. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. It's been years since I've seen it, so I don't have any like memorable moments or anything to add to that. But like, I just remember really liking that show and it, it being it just being quality. Well, do you know? Do, yeah. Does uh, do that not the mama, the baby? Does that voice sound familiar? Probably. Who is it? That's, uh, Kevin Clash, who was Elmo. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, yeah, and we actually, when we talked about the 80s, the dinosaur show briefly came up because we were talking about Alf and how it ended terribly, or not terribly, but very, like, sadly. Dramatically. Yeah. Uh, dramatically, thank you. And dinosaurs had the same thing, where it's like, oh, it's the Ice Age, they're going to die. That's this mm-hmm. show end. Like, what? Mm-hmm. You can't do that. So I have, I, I do have one more thing to add. It's, it's, a, it's a 90s movie related, so it's a slightly uh, off, off topic, but I, I think you'll appreciate this. How dare so, you? I, I, <laughs> so there's a theory out there you guys so heavyweights is one of my favorite movies ever okay yeah. kids going to fat camp ben stiller's in the movie so there's a there's like a fan fiction theory out there that ben stiller's character in heavyweights is the same guy from dodgeball okay exact same yep. character and he, what happened was he was so like heartbroken for losing his camp that he ate all this food and got fat again and then he lost all the weight again and started the gym. Because if you look at those two characters, they are the exact same guy, like same cheesy, motivational, but like a tyrant at the same time. Some I saw like a reel of it this week and I literally sat there and I'm like, my whole life's been a lie. Like this, uh, this makes way too much sense. But he- anyways, heavyweights is, is one. I just wanted to throw that in there before, before we head out. But I, have you guys heard that? Like, is, is that, is that making the connection there? I haven't, but I, I can see it. Yeah. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> oh, look at deli meat. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, get on the scale. Get off the scale. Like, <laughs> yeah. La- anyway. Last thing to credit. I know we keep saying, like, oh, we're wrapping up. Last thing to credit because you mentioned X Files and my parents watched X Files. I wasn't like a huge X Files fan, but I saw enough episodes. I think my brother watched it a lot too. But I do know the X Files honestly gave us serialized television. It, it had a thorough arc in season two because Jillian Anderson got pregnant. They cut season one short and then they had to work around her pregnancy. And they like, 
if someone wanted to recast her, like one of the producers, like, no, we can't do that. That's that doesn't make sense. So they ended up writing a story arc for her where she gets kidnapped and abducted by aliens and then comes back and she's in a coma. And that was something that happened over multiple episodes and it was a continuation. And you didn't have that in serialized TV too often or in episodic TV too often. And so a lot of people will give credit to X-Files for creating that multiple episode arc that every other show does now nowadays. And it's like, we wouldn't probably have TV the way it is without something like that having had happened. So just wanted to give it credit. X-Files also gave us Walter White. You know the story? Because Vince Gilligan wanted, he said, you know, I want Brian Cranston to be Walter White. And the studio was like, what do you mean? This guy was just spent seven years being the doofy down and Malcolm in the middle. And he showed him an episode that he was in in the nineties of um, that Brian Cranston was in. He's like, no, look, this guy has the chops to do the dramatic acting. And that's the episode that convinced them to let him cast Brian Cranston as Walter White. Interesting. No way. The more, you know, yeah. Look at that. Look at all of that trivia. Speaking of which, <laughs> we've got so we're wrapping up the episode here. Thank you guys for listening. This was great. If you guys out there, you're like, hey, I've got some stuff that you guys didn't talk about. Yeah, we probably breeze past it, but there's a lot of '90s stuff. We hit more episode or TV shows this one than I think we did for the '60s through '80s combined. I don't know, probably, but probably. But speaking of uh, that trivia, then last week we had my wonderful wife on uh, as we talked about that episode of Friends, the one where everybody finds out. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. Watch that episode of Friends, then listen to it because we really go deep into that episode and give our reactions and thoughts and different stuff. And it's a really good episode. So, you know, go do that. Do it now, right now. Turn it off. Anyway, so the trivia for last week is in that episode, Phoebe finds out. She starts going, my eyes, my eyes, that great classic line. So we asked a question, where did that line originally come from? So earlier in the season, or not season, earlier in the show, Matthew Perry walks in on Joey going into the bathroom and he comes out going, oh, my eyes, my eyes. And then when Phoebe or when Lisa Kudrow was reading that line at the read through, she was noticing that she says it the way that Matthew Perry did. And she would give it like that same sort of temperament and that same timing. And she's like. I kind of need to get his permission to deliver this line that exact way. Cause I feel like I'm trying to, I'm almost like leaning on his style of comedy. So she yeah. actually went to Matthew Perry and was like, can I deliver this line that specific way? And Matthew Perry is like, yeah, of course go for it. And now she is the more infamous one of that line than Matthew Perry was. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Brian, what is your trivia for this week? All right. So when you asked me to come on, we, we talked about Boy Meets World at length. So yes. here is my Boy Meets World trivia question. I wanted to make it difficult enough to where you would have to have seen the show to know, but not so hard that nobody would get it. So uh, actually, I talked to Brian Jay here, and he answered it right away. So maybe this is easy. But <laughs> what college did Topanga get accepted to? Um, and sh- there was a big argument about her coming with Corey or her going to college. Which college was she accepted to that she ultimately declined? University of Atlantis. Yes. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Yep. And I uh, wait, I should have said that. <laughs> Maple Grove Community College. Uh, <laughs> Greendale. So. I'm going to hijack and we're going to have two trivia questions. I got another one I thought of as, as we're going. Uh, another 90s uh, icon was uh, in The Lion King. We all know that Jonathan Taylor Thomas of Home Improvement fame was the voice of young Simba. However, 
the voice of the singing voice of Simba is another star of a different 90s family show. Do you know who is the voice of singing Simba? Mm. I, I can see him in my face. I don't know what show, though. Dang. Okay. I'll give you a hint. He changes race. That's impressive. Also, I, yeah, I know who you're. I know I can see the guy in my head, but I, yeah. I don't. I don't know his name. All right. So are we so not revealing answers? We're not revealing answers. You're gonna wait. You're gonna reveal those next week, right? Yeah. We'll, we, we'll we can talk once week. we're done with the recording, and then but yeah, our listeners will have to wait till next week. Gotcha. <laughs> so come on back next week. What are we talking about next week, Brian? Do you I don't know. I know in two weeks we're doing Grey's Anatomy. So next week we're doing oh, TVD. TBD, that great thing, Brian. Uh, you know, I got an idea. I, don't, I won't. I won't even preview it because okay. uh, I. I don't want to put you in that position. All right. Oh no! Yeah. Well, next anyway. week. No. Next week we're talking about uh, great manipulators. That's right. So some really good. If you're like, hey, this guy keeps manipulating people, you should talk about him. We're probably going to. That's yeah. it. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Matt. I'm Brian. And I'm not going to be here next week. (laughs) (laughs) And, And we're reminding you to stay tuned and keep watching.